This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, what are we talking about today? I think we should talk about Karens and specifically customers that happen to be Karens. I was thinking about this and I had a recent video that I watched about this incredible police officer that diffused this Karen at a coffee shop. I mean, it was just impressive. We have historically always been trained that the customer is always right and the customer's not always right. I want to clear something up real quick. In previous podcasts, I have said that the male version of Karen is a Dave. I have been corrected on this. Okay. The male version of a Karen is a Kevin. A Kevin. I'm good with that. I, I don't know any Kevins. There's yeah, no so Kevins. Just, just to let you know. There's no Kevins close in my life, so we can pick on Kevin. I have been corrected on this. Awesome. Okay. So Kevins and Karens. And there's this reality with our businesses, and especially around the insurance business and the agency business. We are frontline workers. We are the ones that take the blunt response and the reaction to the rate change, to the hard market and the complaint about nothing worse than insurance and taxes and all these things. And we are the frontline person, but we are also the most knowledgeable person in the room when it comes to insurance and it comes to our customers. And so I think there needs to be this balance around tone and how we deal with the Karens and the Kevins when they have done a little Google search and done some research on what things mean and how things go. And look, we need to take care of our customers and we need to provide great customer service. But at the same time, the customer's not always right. What are some examples of things that our agents deal with that customers just aren't right on? And how do we deal with that within our agency? First thing that comes to my mind is the customer that sees insurance as the mandate, as the means to the end versus protection, versus protecting their assets, their most valuable things. I think it's that area first. And we have this responsibility as agents and professionals to be able to do that with the right tone. Because more than likely, that individual is going to come at you very aggressive or in a very derogatory or negative way. If you don't fix this, I'm going to leave. The question is, is that really a good customer? Should this customer really be my customer? Have you chosen who you're going to write? Have you selected the type of business that you're going to write? Or have you just been a receiver of all things? Have you just been a write whoever runs at you? Sometimes customers need to be fired. It's just a fact. I flew in yesterday, and as I was leaving the airport in Houston, it struck me how many insurance agencies that there were with big signs out in front of their business that said, insurance, $25 a month. Specialty auto, non-standard auto, the convenience store of insurance, the Geico ads, or the caveman can do it, that has created this environment that we are constantly fighting against. And unfortunately, the reality of it is there is a type of consumer out there that you see as dollars, but they're probably not profitable customers. If they're wearing you out, if they're wearing out your people, your CSRs, your account managers, what's happening with a customer that would cause you to fire them is really where I would say the first thought should be is, 
is this person derogatory to our people? That is always a an immediate thing for me. Like, I'm going to protect my people. It's just the way I am. Now, if my people are wrong, I'm going to get to the bottom of it and we're going to have accountability. But if my people are right and the customer's wrong, I'm going to protect my people. And if this customer has just laid in and has been just awful to my personnel, then they're gone. That's it. We don't stay around. We don't keep that customer. We don't see that customer as too good to lose. That's a big part of this as well as agency owners is that we understand that those people that we've invested in and those people that we continue to support and we become basically like family with, they need our support. They need our back because they're the front line and they're the ones hearing this. It's really important that we think through that lens. How do you fire a customer? I've done it in ways where I've said, look, I don't think we're a good fit for each other anymore. I've also gone as far as saying, listen, Kevin, you're not going to talk to our people that way. If that's how you're going to do business, then take your business elsewhere. I've gone as blunt as that. The other thing that I've done is, I'm sorry, that's the best we can do. And then they decide to leave on their own or they stay at a higher premium and we're at least making a little more money out of their high maintenance self. So there's multiple ways that I've done that. And those are the three most common ways. Do you see a difference in someone having a bad day and a long-term challenging customer. I actually have a very, very real story around bad day and really it turned out to be bad year. And we had a long time customer and this individual was very ugly to our people on a couple of occasions. And I caught it the second time. Like I heard about it and then I called and then we had a conversation. Then I actually witnessed the second interaction and it was not acceptable. It was just a completely unacceptable interaction from him. I told him, not sure this is the best place for you. And this is a person that I wouldn't call him like a friend, but he's a good acquaintance. I've known him for 30 years. This particular individual, I had that conversation. Maybe maybe you need to go ahead and shop around. Maybe we're not the best place for you. You can't talk to our people this way. I found out about six weeks later that he actually had a brain tumor and it was affecting his behavior. And he's completely different today than he was during this interaction. He was having a bad year. And so that was sort of this aha moment for me that I realized in hindsight that maybe something was off and I felt like something was off with this particular customer, but I didn't know what it was. I felt like he was really abrasive. I felt like he was really out of character and I knew something was wrong, but I had no idea what it might be. It turned out to be actually a health issue for him. That's kind of the extreme scenario, but it's possible that people have bad days and they come in and they take it out on us or they take it out on, on your people over the phone. That's where we have to step in and be the ownership and the leadership and say, wait a minute, this is not what we do. And try to manage that tone and come at that situation with a diffusing attitude. How do we train our people to diffuse that up front? I know as we're going through this hard market right now and people are calling our agencies and people are just frustrated. And so sometimes it's the straw that broke the camel's back that they had this huge rate increase. So how do we train our people to diffuse that? If you've listened to me at all over the last however many episodes we are, you know my automatic answer to this is you have to train them through your core values. And number one, you have to have core values. Your people have to see 
the situation through the lens of you as the owner, which should come from your core values. If you have created core values and you have trained your people and implemented those core values, then I have your back, pure and simple. Now, what you have is, is, well, I thought honesty wins meant it was circumstantial. And no, honesty wins is honesty wins. It's not circumstantial. There may be some growth through that. There may be some missteps through that. But most of the time, my experience is if your account managers, your frontline people are talking to the customer and diffusing with the tone that are consistent with your core values, then they are going to be more successful. You have equipped them at that point. That's how we've done it. And ever since we implemented that, I believe that we've won more and more customers and created a better culture and a better environment for our staff. Here's one for the brain. It's not our direct customer that's causing the problem. It's our referral partner. It's a banker that's wanting us to do X when we know that Y is what is right for the customer. Well, we're just not going to cut that corner. We're not going to do what that referral partner wants to do because they're not a good referral partner. It's kind of like with your kids or when you were a kid, I'm afraid to be honest with them because I don't want them to not be my friend anymore. Well, you know what? They're not a very good friend if that's the way they're reacting to that. They're not a really good referral partner if they're asking you to do something that is not consistent with your core values or is cutting a corner or something else. There's other referral part. And I think we get into this thing with the same way that we would get into our clients where we're like, oh my goodness, I can't afford to lose this client. Yes, you can. There's other clients. I can't afford to lose this referral partner. Yes, you can. There's other referral partners. You have to stay very, very disciplined and focused on who you are and what you're doing and understand that other people do not have the opportunity or don't allow other people to have the opportunity to dictate to you. That's the tail wagging the dog. This is why we're independent agencies. This is why we own the business and we get to make decisions and we have a little bit of that control element that other channels of distribution inside the industry don't have. So instead of sending them directly to the execution chair, is there a way to rehabilitate them? Hard conversations. I think you sit down and you explain the situation and why you're not going to do this. And it's going to be what it's going to be in that sense. You don't have to throw them out the door. You can explain that and just see what happens. We've had a recent thing here where we had the owner of a property who was selling to our customer. This is the property owner selling to a renter. We have no business with the property owner and the property owner is calling us multiple times a day wanting to know if we've got the coverage and the quote ready because he's wanting to close early. He's wanting to get this done. He's calling the bank. He's calling us. He's calling the client. He's all over the place. It absolutely blew my mind. We eventually stopped taking his call. We eventually went nuclear on him and just said, no, we're done. Don't talk to him. So we tried to take the cordial route. We tried to do the soft tone. I'm sorry, Mr. So-and-so, we can't do that for you. That's probably what Um, the closing attorney said. Everybody stopped talking to this guy. We're talking to each other going, hey, is this guy calling you? Yes. He's driving us nuts. Okay, well, we're done. We're done with him. There's that extreme. I think having a really honest face-to-face, if you can, I think we've lost that a little bit through COVID. We need to get that back. 
uh, especially within our referral partner realm. Face-to-face, what are our values? What are we doing? We can help you if you'll let us, but be honest and just be on the same page with what you're trying to achieve. You can diffuse that. You can maybe rehabilitate someone. You can at least give that an attempt. Do you think that most agents educate their referral partners up front with what they expect and what they need? Or is it kind of like that Oliver Twist, please, please, sir, may I have some more? I think it's 100% Oliver Twist in the beginning because we're salespeople and because we are so hungry for that referral. We know it's the best business and we lose a little bit of sight on that. And again, it's easy to say, hard to actually do and implement. It's kind of like, you know, hey, don't write monoline accounts. And then you're faced with a monoline account and the salesperson in you says, well, I know I can cross sell it later. I'm going to always say pass unless they give you the whole account. But I also know in all practicality, as everyone rolls their eyes listening to me say that, that sometimes you can't. Sometimes you need to write the policy. I think this is the same way. You want to do your best. Up front, you want to do your best to educate. This is what we're after. This is how we work. This is what we do. These are our core values. All those things. But we're also salespeople. And we think that we can fix it on the back end. It's the same type approach. I think we think we can fix that referral partner. If we can just get them to start using us, we can always go back to them and do that. The the challenge is, is you really start becoming somewhat of a slave to that lead. And you have to be careful with that. You have to make sure that you don't become that. When I used to go into a new client's office, one of the things that I would ask them once they decided that they wanted to do business with me was, what are your expectations of me? And when they would say that, I would say, okay, well, these are my expectations of you. Does that work for you? And when it became this very symbiotic relationship with giving those expectations up front, when I got past the fear, then all of a sudden accounts started working so much better. It is the right way. And I think you've nailed it with fear. It is this fear because we want to make a sale. 100% of successful independent agents are good salespeople. There might be some average independent agencies out there that are good technicians and account managers, and they've managed to get through to a size and scope that allowed them to be successful financially, but it's very rare. Most of us are salespeople marketing people. It is very hard for us It is to not try to be in sales mode. I just hung up 30 minutes ago with a prospect and I caught myself instead of being what I train our recruiters to be around, hey, be informative. We don't want to make a big sales push. We don't want to be pushy. This is just who we are. Be informative. We want to give information and let people make a decision. What did I do halfway through the call? I went into sales mode. Well, this is what we can do for you. Well, this is how this is work. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? And it's, I'm telling you, I'm sitting here saying what not to do. And I'm doing it because it is so ingrained in who we are. It is so much of our nature. When we talk about this, fear 
is way up front on the totem pole in terms of our thing that keeps us from actually implementing a, what is the expectation you have for me? Hey, here's my core values. Hey, this is how I do business. Does that work for you? I really want to write account business. So if you send me a home that you're the mortgage person on, or you're the real estate agent on, and I can't get that auto, you know, I'm really going to struggle with doing that. Is that okay with you? We're so scared to doing that because we're afraid they're going to say, well, I'll just use somebody else. I can't do that. I can't mess up my home sale. And maybe there's some truth to that, but I think if we lay that groundwork and then we ever get the response from the referral source of, hey, customers calling me complaining saying that you are hounding them about getting the auto with their home and they just want to get the home done and they know why. Because you explained up front, it's better for the customer, it's better for me, it's better for you if I can get the whole account right up front. Well, now they know, well, that's because it's actually going to save you some money if you can get if you can get the account credit. Oh, okay. Maybe the referral source helps diffuse the client for you. That's possible. It's just a matter of can we remove that fear and actually take that time to go educate our source? Do we ever ask our retail customers what their expectations are? I know we do on the commercial side because it's a little bit different. Right. Like we're very consultative sellers and we're very much in the risk management side of things when it comes to the commercial end of things. I'm not so sure that we do that well on the personal line side because of this nature of transaction or this nature of volume. And I think we would be better off in the end on the infinite game side if we were better at it. If we're trying to get the whole account, then I think that we might could pull that off. I think what happens is on the personal line side, we think we're going to do it. We're going to go at it this way. And then we get in the middle of it and it's like they're looking for an auto quote or they're looking for a home quote. And we just, we just let our guard down and we do it. And my analogy here is me at McDonald's. I'm going to order a salad. I'm going to order a salad. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to do this salad and water, salad and water, salad and water. And I get up there and they say, can I help you? And I'm like quarter pounder with cheese and a big fry and a Coke. It comes out. I can't do it. That's what happens to us. Like we're going to do an account sale. We're going to talk to them about this. Hey, yeah, I just needed to get a home quote. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me get that. And so we just, we can't do it. Last night when I was driving in, I stopped at Kroger to pick up a few things to have in my hotel room for the week. And as I was checking out and there was the Reese's box that had an apple stuck in it. And I thought somebody made a last minute decision. They did. (laughs) (laughs) That apple didn't make it. Nope. Did not make it. And I kind of feel like sometimes that's exactly what you're saying is is we plan for that apple, but then at the last minute we trade it out for that Reese's cup. And yes... That Reese cup tasted better in that moment, but that apple probably would have been better for us. It would have been a lot better for us. We struggle with that. And it's that dopamine of the sale, right? It is. It is. And and it's the fear of not closing the deal. And it's so many things. We're so much better for it long term that if we continue to try to get there. We talk a lot about sports and baseball as my thing. And big league shortstop can make 20 errors a year still be a gold glove. Just because we practice it and we fail doesn't mean that we should stop practicing it. Derek Jeter or any other shortstop, Hall of Fame shortstop, took 100 ground balls a day during the season, before the game, over and over, practiced and practiced and practiced, still made errors. So we can practice and practice and work on this and get better. And we're still going to have some failure along the way. 
and that is okay. That doesn't mean we should just give up and stop trying to be that account sale and stop trying to become an expert at our craft. What we do is we're like, okay, I just give up. I'm just going to sell whatever I can. And I just don't think that's the right approach for the long-term growth of your agency. Going back to the customer is always right. Wanting to make that sale. How do we convince them that what we're selling them is really what they need when they're getting surrounded by messaging 24-7 that it's all about price? Part of that practice is confidence and knowing your craft and becoming an expert. Because getting better and better at the proposal, better and better at explaining to them why they need to do it the way that you're explaining to them is being confident and knowing your stuff, being informative, being consultative is always going to come across to the right customer better than all the ad blitz and all the funny stuff. Because really down at the core, I mean, you're talking about really important stuff to them. You're talking about stuff that If something's not covered right, then they're out of pocket. Then they've lost their home or they've got this $35,000 loan on this vehicle and the vehicle's worth nothing. It's really important to the customer. They don't know that necessarily. And so we have to be able to do that confidently. We have to be able to know what we're talking about and we have to do it consultatively to the point that we went out around all that noise. The noise is also now Google self-research. I do it medically and I'm like, stop. I'm the farthest thing from a doctor that there is on planet earth. There's things that we research now and we have to realize that that's what's going on. We're the same way about other stuff. So if we just keep that in perspective and go, okay, everybody's going to research on their own and kind of question what I'm telling them. And they're going to have all this noise and we have to cut through the noise and say, look, I'm your risk manager. I'm the one that's done the education. I'm the one that has the knowledge and do it in a way with the right tone, not belittling them like I just kind of sounded. But if you come across with that confidence and you explain and provide them information, if you are the human Google and you eliminate the noise, then you're going to win. So many of us have invested time and money and effort to become an expert in our field. And we have that continuing education to make sure that we're the best at what we do. What I wonder is how many of us have actually taken the time to go and shadow our referral partners and understand exactly what they need from their perspective. In the past with my different customers, I've gone into a florist and spent the entire Valentine's Day with them and their business or gone into a restaurant on Mother's Day and spent the day with them. So putting yourself in their position, actually shadowing them for half a day or a day and learning their language. I know that we have several partners that belong to realtor groups to actually get in and listen to what they need. I think maybe sometimes that's what's missing because we're only seeing it from our side. We talk about marketing where you are. You have to learn their business. We are too busy in our minds. Oh, I would. I don't have time for that. You don't have time to not do that. You can't afford to not do that. You need to go understand how their world works. Because I think what we do is we just get in this constant hurry. And it's just about send me business, send me business, because we think that if we don't go fast, then we're not going to be successful. 
I love the phrase, you're the expert. I want to learn from you. Mm. It puts you in a spot of humility and it actually uh, feeds an ego just a little bit. Sure. And they rem- because, because people like feeling like an expert. They do. And that creates something there as well that they're thinking, okay, this person realizes I'm an expert. Maybe I should do business with them. We'll pick on the mortgage guys. I'm not a mortgage guy. And if I pretend that I know what they do and can research that by Googling it and become an expert, then I'm doing the same thing that they're doing to me. And so for me, that's where I'm at is, well, what if we had an authentic investment of time and energy into learning what our partners are doing? And that relates to a stronger relationship and that becomes something deeper. And now when they're going through a downturn, I really understand it. So how can I help them in an increasing interest rate market where their business is turning down? How can I help them grow during a hard cycle? You just become sort of these business partners, these peer partners. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. And I'm not sure we're making as a whole, there may be some doing it really well, but as a whole, I'm not sure we're making that type of effort into our referral partner environment. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Steve Jobs. Get closer than ever to your customers. So close that you tell them what they need well before they realize it themselves. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.